Here we uncover the traditions that are working for successful parents. For the parents who are ready to do things differently but aren't sure how, go to wandahoward.com and download my free blueprint. It will help you create the difference you've been looking for and enable your kids to be emotionally healthy and confident throughout their lives. Now is the time to start doing things differently. Welcome back, everybody, to the Successful Parents Podcast. I am your host, Wanda Howard, and my co-host, Edward Howard. And today, we're going to be switching things a little bit more. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Emery. Take it away. Okay, so the next three episodes, are going. we're going to be talking all about communicating effectively with your kids while considering your own childhood traumas. So we're going to spill the beans. It's going to be messy. So put on your tablecloths and let's go. <laughs> uh, but before we dive in, we have an exciting announcement. The Know Your Coach event, September 14th. Put it on your calendar. This event is for Christian women who are serious about their goals and don't want to dance on their left feet anymore. Also, my mom's there, so it's going to be awesome. Go. Uh, there are other amazing coaches there to help with every aspect of life. So it's a great place to go and find the perfect coach who aligns with your Christian values and ensure you're not dancing on your left feet. <laughs> I love that. And I, yes, your pizzazz is right on track. You don't need to be dancing on your own left feet anymore. <laughs> um, but so mark your calendars, September 14th. There's a link in the bio. It has all the info on it. It's going to be super awesome. I can't wait to see you there. Okay, now let's dive in to the pool of beans. In other words, how to communicate effectively with your kids while considering your own childhood trauma. So, Mom, why is communicating with your kids so hard anyway? That is a great question. <laughs> and I, wish... I would love to know. <laughs> and um, I think for every parent, it is going to be um, a challenge in of itself just because communicating with people not just kids, is a skill that we all need to learn. But for this podcast, for this episode, specifically talking on people, parents dealing with childhood trauma, one of the main reasons why it's so difficult is because of trauma triggers, being re-traumatized um, as a parent. Ha! And just... What I want to get back to the what is a trauma trigger exactly because I'm I'm really curious about that. Yeah, that's a good question. So a trauma trigger, these are things that happen in our environment, in our day, in our just life, where it brings up uh, emotions, flashbacks of like past memories, something that we've gone through, but they're things throughout the day that make us feel unsafe, they make us feel out of control, and they they mainly take you back to the past of something hard that you experienced, and it makes it really hard to make decisions in the moment or to feel safe in the moment. How do these triggers affect parents specifically? So, um, yeah, let's dive in a little bit more because that's a good point. We want to make sure that we understand this part of it. So first, um, the things that 
are most prevalent. There's lots of different things when dealing with childhood trauma that you have to go through, relearn, redo, and just try to figure out how to move on as an adult. Um, But some of the main things are flashbacks. So flashbacks, like in the movies, they make it seem like you, um, like everything freezes and you're like shot into the mind of this person. And as they kind of relive something that happened to them as a kid. Have you seen those things? Definitely. Okay. So that happens sometimes. But most of the time in my experience and those who I've talked to, it's much more common where the flashbacks are more of a continual, um, like, movie strip or movie clip on repeat. It's just going over and over and over in your head, kind of what PTSD is. I, I know that we've talked about that a little bit. So um, those flashbacks simply mean that your brain is so bogged down and so concerned about things that happened in the past that it's it's like unable to push this pause button or the stop button and think about much of anything else. It's just trying to make sense of what happened to you as a kid. So that's what a flashback is. Um, there's also a trigger is um, like one of the effects of a trigger is extreme anxiety where because of these flashbacks, because of the sensation of emotion that rises, you might not have a specific memory that comes along with the trigger. It just, it makes you feel a way that you felt as a kid and that can make you uh, feel a lot of anxiety and that makes you feel even more out of control, which then goes into hyper arousal or hypersensitivity where either your emotions are on like super uh, sensitive mode where everything is upsetting or really hard to deal with emotionally, or you go into emotional numbness and where you just kind of blank out and you, you can't really feel anything. Have you ever experienced like that kind of numb feeling? Yeah. Um, It's not fun. Yeah. It's not fun. As people, we were born to feel things, right? So anytime triggers make you want to not go through things that present triggers because you don't want to be feeling these unpleasant things, especially when you don't know how to stop them. And another side effect of all that too is physical traits of that start presenting themselves. That can be your heart rate increasing and your like sweating, trembling, um, lightheadedness. And Anger. Yeah, just unpleasant emotions that you're not even sure why you're experiencing them. Yeah, those those are all like kind of the triggers, what triggers feel like or what triggers bring up and how they affect parents that have had childhood traumas. What are are some common triggers that parents with childhood trauma uh, get to have? So common triggers, like situations that create triggers is that what you're asking yeah yeah okay so situations that create triggers are um like parenting in of itself having to decide discipline punishment um decision making is very hard and triggering because you're very worried about 
the outcome and if you're doing it right and how to help your kids. And it brings up a lot of unpleasant memories of yourself as a kid um, going through punishment or hard emotions and you don't want to be doing it to yourself or to your children. And then there's um, crying tantrums when your kids are doing those things. That is also a very common trigger for parents because it's, it's just a trigger for me. Yeah. It's a, it's a common trigger for people, right? Yeah. But, um, so I, I think I'm we should, I can relate. yeah. Uh-huh. And that's good. And I think that's important too, for people to realize that, that not all of these triggers are only those who have had trauma. And that's a really good thing because it helps people with trauma to realize they're not hopeless, that it's just because they had so um, much as a kid that happened to them and they didn't have anybody to help them through it. They're just now at that learning phase. But as soon as they get through that learning phase, they'll be golden and things will work out fine. Um, I don't want to be golden. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you'll still be human. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Um, and then another common trigger that just happens from day to day is touch. A lot of the time. Um, golden touch? Well, no. Okay. Like <laughs> hugs or kisses or cuddles. Um, they could either be triggers because you were sexually abused as a kid or they could be triggers because maybe your family wasn't very um, accepting of hugs and things. So you have a reserve being touched, whatever it is, there's for some reason, something happened in your childhood where being touched is a hard thing or it's hard for you to give it and you want it more than people give. And so, yeah, those are just some of the very common things that I would love for us to dive further into. So first, parenting and decision-making. The very first things I remember worrying about um, as a new mom was, first, I had this wonderful little baby. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know who that is, huh? Um, and things were relatively easy. It, there wasn't much decision-making I had to do other than get up, feed the baby, change diaper, um, sleep, <laughs> and all of those things. Emery's pulling faces at me because um, I brought up changing her diaper. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> okay. So when you get out of that phase, though, you're bombarded with now your child is crawling. They're getting into things. They're creating more havoc in your life. Oh, no. And um, they're, it's just, it starts to feel more and more out of control. And for someone who has gone through trauma, that's hard. Uh, well, for anybody, that's hard. But I would say especially for those who have gone through trauma, because if you already have a foundation that things are not taken care of and you have more um insecurities than confidence, then that just becomes really overwhelming. So as Emery started getting older and more discipline was needing to be put into place and more decisions were having to be made of how to handle situations, 
how to talk to her when I was tired, what to do when she was throwing tantrums, like all of the decision um, things were super overwhelming because I didn't want to hurt her like I was hurt as a kid. And I didn't want to be, um, I, I didn't know how to discipline. I didn't know when to discipline, when to punish, when to help um, out in the right ways. And what what kind of techniques would be traumatizing and which kinds of techniques are healthy and good? Which ones are like off limits is never is a good thing and which ones are fine? So let's dive in to that a little bit to give you a little bit of tools and help if that's something that you're dealing with. Um, first off, the very first thing that I learned that I think is so important to just hear and to know right out of the get-go is that you never need to punish. Punishment is absolutely never needed. It it does not help. It will never get you the results you want. And I remember kind of the first time I heard somebody talk about uh, punishment and kind of say this, but in our culture, uh, it's very common that punishment and discipline are talked about the same. So, um, what is the difference between, like, what exactly is punishment, discipline, like? Yeah, that's that's a good question. So, yeah, let's break that down a little bit because this confused me too. So, a punishment, um. You can really identify it best when you know where you're coming from. And that comes with time. Um, but like the feeling behind of, I have to make you learn this or I need to force you to um, get this right or I need to control this situation better. Like that, that feeling of force, that forceful feeling Um is usually accompanied by punishment. Now, a more technical part of punishment is um, trying to teach a kid a lesson. Most of the time, uh, from now, it's <laughs> it's so interesting, like hearing myself talk about this because my own memories of what it was like for me, um, trying to like make sense of this keep coming up of like, oh, I know, I know the objections and I know that there's things like that doesn't make sense and I don't understand. So if, as I talk about this, if you have things coming up in your mind that you're like, but wait, <laughs> I do understand that there's a lot of questions. So I'm going to just go through this. And if you have more questions, come to the event on September 14th, ask your questions. So the difference between discipline and punishment is Punishment is very much about forcing a certain desire or a certain behavior or a certain like outcome that you want. It's there's going to be like a, a tightness in your chest, maybe, and a lot of um, anger or just uh, a feeling that you have to control and force it. And so pay attention to those differences. Discipline is much more of a place of love. It's much more of a place of wanting to understand. Discipline, you can get angry and you can still discipline well while being angry. Um, but 
It's not a forceful anger. It's not a, I will teach you a lesson for stepping out of line kind of anger. It's a, your own emotional anger because of situations being out of control and you need help. And so still talking respectfully, maybe even loudly, but talking respectfully to your child of telling them what your needs are, where the boundaries are, what you need from them and what's going to happen next instead of a, um, but a punishment type mentality. And I know that that's hard to wrap your head around at first. So again, um, anything's hard to wrap my head around. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't be bending your head or morphing your head into weird shapes. Huh? But um, no, the main thing to stay focused on is punishment is a force. It's going to be trying to control and discipline is sometimes even the same tactics like going to your room time out can be a form of punishment if it is to teach your child a lesson to make them conform to force them into a way that you want them to become those are all it's going to come across as a punishment it's going to feel like a punishment to your child you're going to walk away feeling more drained and angry and frustrated and guilty feeling disappointed with how things are working but discipline you could still send your child to their room but coming from a place of love and understanding that could look much more like okay i need you to go to your room for a little bit and and even if you can't explain it more than that and you just set that boundary and let them know that that is what needs to happen that it's all from a place of even if this is happening in your head, if you don't have the words to say it right then, but coming from a place of, I want to understand my child. I want the space to understand my child, but I have things right now that are triggering for me that I need to be able to understand. I need to know um, what's happening. I need the space to calm down and I can't put myself in timeout right now. So I'm sending my child into the room and then when the child comes out, if it's punishment again, you're going to be, when they come out, like, did you learn your lesson or like, or not talk at all or give them the silent treatment? Those kinds of things perpetuate the punishment. But the discipline would be when um, timeout is over that you go and you repair. You go and you talk with them. And it's much more about understanding them instead of teaching them a lesson. So there's kind of a big spill, but hopefully that helps you start to differentiate between punishment and discipline. Did that help you? Uh, yeah, but I'm glad everybody put their tablecloths on because that was a big spill. <laughs> that was a big spill. We're definitely spilling the beans, huh? Yeah. Okay. So um, the other thing that I want to point out with discipline, though, is the world is going to give natural consequences to your kids most of the time most of the time you don't need to think up the perfect discipline or the right discipline because most of the time the world is going to do it for you so if like for example if your child goes outside without choosing to put a coat on they're going to get cold that's just a natural consequence and they're going to have to figure out um like how to not do that next time or how to get back to a coat so that they're not cold anymore. And 
as a parent, I know for me in the very beginning, um, coming from very much of a punishment background, when my children would make honest mistakes like that, especially when I had like warned them beforehand of you'll want a coat, please put on your coats, remember to put on a coat. And then they still didn't. Oftentimes I wanted just because it was so natural and normal. And it was the way that I, it was just built into me um, from past experience. Not that anyways, (laughs) but um, built into the way that I had learned to govern was when they forgot their coat to say, and to like be so strict about, nope, you need to learn your lesson. This is the way it is. It's your own darn fault. But, um, understanding that discipline, sometimes I did need to say, well, I'm sorry, we don't have time to go back and get a coat. I hope you remember next time. But it was still coming from a place of empathy and understanding and not a place of this should teach you a lesson. And then it also gave me room to help them out when I wanted to help them out instead of feeling like, oh, I can't help them because I need to teach them to pay attention when I tell them to put on their coat. Instead, I was able to step back and be like, oh, I can actually, um, because I'm working with discipline and understanding and empathy right now, there's no time restraints right now. Nothing's going on right now. I don't need to tell them that we don't have time to right now. I could even go and get it for them and show them that I love them. So that's, that's another thing that was super hard for me to learn in the beginning um, just because it it doesn't feel natural at all when that's not something you experience as a kid. So then the last thing though that I would say about that is how all of these things start coming into place is what I call the parenting equation. I will be going more in depth on the parenting equation and how it just makes things so much more simple in your life and in your head of how to make these kinds of decisions. Um, And so that I'll be sharing at the event. So definitely come there again if you're wanting to know more because there's so much information. I wish we could go into all of it in one place. So the next trigger, and I guess, Emery, are we good or do you have another question? Uh, No. Okay. So the next trigger is crying and uh, tantrums when your kids are just... Even especially when they're little, like babies and little tiny toddlers where um, they're crying a lot to get their needs met. And then when they're um, just barely getting out of the stage of crying and learning to speak and there's lots of screaming, lots of tantrums, this can be really hard and it can leave um, parents feeling just intense emotional reactions of feeling out of control and reminders of your own experience as a childhood. And that makes you feel helpless and overwhelmed. But the very first thing that I would say to help with uh, this kind of experience when your child is just throwing a tantrum, just crying for maybe no reason at all, or you just walked into the room and you have no idea what's going on and they're crying and you're feeling totally overwhelmed by it and triggered by it. The first thing to do is to recognize how much sense this makes. As a kid, we all need a certain um, amount of involvement from our 
caregivers, from our parents, from our siblings, from our community. And when those types of connections are not made, then you are left basically like a a person all on their own where you have to be able to give yourself that kind of love and connection and compassion that other people didn't give you. And so when your child starts reacting um, in that kind of way, when they start crying and start screaming and start throwing tantrums, the reason why this makes so much sense is because as a parent who has gone through childhood neglect, trauma, whatever you want to call it, your own soul is still yearning for that kind of attention to be given to you because you still feel that pain internally. So it is okay to just cry with them and to not need to know how to address the situation, to not need to fix anything, to not hold them and hug them if you don't feel capable of that. Wow, if I can talk capable of that in the moment, it's okay to just fall on the floor and cry it out. I have done that so many times. And the more that I have done that and just allowed myself to grieve the loss of connection that I had as a kid, more and more it gave me the strength to stand up and then feel more calm and more capable of helping my child. So that would be the very first thing. But then as the really cool thing is as you start learning the techniques around discipline and differentiating those between punishment, you actually start to develop a lot of self-caring skills that help in the situation and crying tantrums become not such a big overwhelm as well. So it doesn't leave you hanging. Um, Then the last trigger that we were going to talk about is touch, being touched. Did we already talk about that one? Well, we did, but we didn't like dive into what that means and how that is. So as a parent, right, there's a lot of touching. You have to hold kids, pick them up, give hugs, kisses, cuddles, roll around on the floor, like play tag. There's a lot of touching involved with a parent. And when uh, that's triggering for you, that gets in the way of a lot of needed connection for both you and your child. So um, being able to create healthy boundaries is a big part of this physical touch and stopping those triggers and and knowing how to handle them when they arise. So first, um, for physical touch, Awareness is key. It's such a big part to being able to stop that that overwhelm. So for me, for example, I remember as my kids were really little, especially Emery, because she was our first, so I was learning with her. Um, But when she was really little and she started to learn how to crawl and climb, and she would climb on me. And I remember any time that she touched my chest, my breasts, like it was just a flood of emotions that I didn't even know how to um, interpret. I didn't know how to make sense of them. I just felt like a total heat wave hitting my body and so much anger and so much frustration. And and I would just find myself either internally sometimes and (laughs) externally others where I would just be yelling, um, 
like, why don't you care about me? Why would you do that? Or like, don't hurt me like that. And it, and it did cause physical sensations of pain sometimes, not because she was hard, but just because of the trigger trauma or trauma trigger. And, um, so those triggers, like I said, as a parent, (laughs) they're really frustrating because I did want to cuddle with her. I did want her to be able to climb on me. And I didn't understand why that was happening so much. So the first thing is awareness. Start paying attention to why. Why is that? Like, and this would be something to do when that's not happening. Um, This is something to do when you're not in the moment of the trigger. When you're in the moment of the trigger, um, go back to the steps of um, discipline where it's more about how can I create an atmosphere of understanding for both you and the child. But when you're not in the trigger moment of healthy boundaries, this is where you want to raise awareness. Start going through your mind and asking yourself, what would be a physical um, boundary that you would like to have kept? For example, that could be um, for me as, like when I was trying to do this, I started thinking about my body and when Emery was touching me and trying to decide what was it that was so hard? What, what, when did it become overbearing? And I thought, well, at first it was like, well, maybe it's just playing in general. And I thought, "Mm, well, to tell her that I don't want to play wasn't really true because I did want to play. And then I went, okay, so let's, Let's keep exploring. So that's the first part is become aware, keep exploring, try to identify all of the possible reasons why it, this is triggering. And then, which is probably something that you're already kind of doing because this is just a natural part of the healing process that our brain does for us, which is amazing, which our brain is already starting to like become aware, trying to pay attention and trying to draw awareness to that. So instead of ever blocking it out and just feeling like, no, I'm hopeless. I'll never get it. I don't know why I do this. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm just broken. I'm just weird. I'll just have to deal with it. Like those feelings are going to get in the way. So be open to just being aware. But then to simplify. So you might find 10 different things of why it was triggering. But simplify or choose a specific one to focus on first because it's overwhelming to try and keep all of the rules in your rule book to the exact of what you want and what you expect of others. And it just doesn't really work. So simplify down to just one and choose what you would like to have happen. So um, for me, for example, I realized that with my background and what I was experiencing and everything going on for me, the reason why that was so triggering wasn't that when she touched my chest, wasn't when she was climbing on me, wasn't that um, I didn't want to play. It wasn't all of these other things. What it was, was it was so triggering anytime, not just her, but anytime anyone touched my breast. And so when Um, So then the next step is understanding, well, what is the boundary that I want to set? And this is the grow part or the experiment part where it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter what kind of boundary you set. It's very much 
about um, growing, of experimenting, of trying things out and verbalizing. So I remember the first time I tried to really talk with Emery. I was very lucky. Emery was still pretty little and when this started happening. So I was able to talk with her and not really too, not worry too much about what I was saying because she wasn't old enough to understand me yet. <laughs> so I would just start to talk to her and tell her um, like why it was hard for me, what was going on. And the reason that helps is to just start finding the vocabulary, start finding the words for the things that you've always kept down. You can do this in therapy. You can do this with your spouse first. You can do this with a friend first, uh, venting about like, okay, this is what I'm going through. This is what my child does. This is why it's hard. But that that is an experimentational stage because it allows your brain to feel first what it's like to talk about it, to feel first if you like the boundary that you set. So the boundary I set at first was only give hugs when I'm ready for a hug. And again, she was little enough that this didn't really make sense to her. But when I said those words, I hated that idea. I realized that, nope, that's not going to work for me. I don't want that kind of a relationship. I want to be able to give hugs whenever my kids want hugs. But it took me saying it out loud or writing it out to be able to to really see that. So there's, there's again, like Emery said, um, a bunch of spilling the beans. <laughs> uh, I hope that it makes sense because I feel like it's so much easier when I can see people face to face and when you guys can ask questions. So if you have questions about any of this, come to the event on September 14th and that's going to be amazing. I'm so excited to see you guys there. And our next episode is going to be all about how to make sure that if you're worrying that you're traumatizing your kids, how to make sure that you confidently can know that you are stopping the cycle, that you're not passing on things, how to identify that, how to see that. Um, because as soon as you know what to look for to know if it's traumatizing your kids or not, it's a game changer. So next episode, be sure to join us and we'll see you all on September 14th. Link is down in the description and we'll see you all next time. Bye. Thank you again for being a part of our podcast family and for the difference you are making right now in the world and in the walls of your own home. If you're wanting to support parents everywhere, you can do that by leaving a rate and review. This helps so many find connection and answers they are searching for. Also, don't forget to go to WandaHoward.com and get your own free parenting blueprint. I love you all and we will see you next time.